Welcome to a super fun special edition of your Feminist Buzzkills pod. You might remember last May, right after the infamous SCOTUS leak, that David Cross and John Glazer, John Fugelsang, and some other very amazing white dude comedians asked me what they could do to support Abortion Access Front and our work. And I said, well, that's easy. Do a stand-up set for free and donate some of that sweet, sweet privilege to raise some cash to help the cause. We'll call it Bro v. Wade. It was funny, smart, and we raised some serious cash. But the most meaningful part of the night was after the show, they each sat down with me to talk about why they showed up for abortion rights, and we turned those conversations into a podcast. It was so hilarious and, quite frankly, so moving that we decided to do it again, this time in Los Angeles. We'll put all their social handles and ways to connect in our show notes, so after a listen, you can give them a follow and tell them how much you appreciate their support. Well, let's get to it. It's Bro v. Wade Part 2, Electric Boogaloo. Now, I wasn't going to just let a bunch of dudes guide themselves on this journey, so we asked one of the funniest women we know to host that comedy show, and I can't think of a better way to ground us and kick off this episode than that person who navigated so many dudes doing stand-up for abortion. She's toured with AAF from Seattle to Jackson, Mississippi, and everywhere in between. You know her from NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, her comedy special Well Hong, and her podcast Go Fact Yourself. Please welcome my very first guest, Helen Hong. Helen Hong. Totes of borscht. Totes of borscht, baby. (laughs) So you are like OG with us doing this from the very early stages when we started the organization. I love it. You have been out with us, out on the road in Mississippi, Indiana, like... So eye-opening. So eye-opening. I even think I asked you once, very early on, when I was a little bit less educated, I was like, Liz, why are we going to these shithole states? Right. And you were like, those are the states that we need to hit because... They are the ones that, you know, the abortion clinics in Mississippi, like, God damn, those are the ones that need the most support. And going there, I realized, like, damn, she's right. Like, this is a, it's the, like, talk about a blue dot in a red state. Like, the abortion clinic is the tiniest, and the, the yeah. tiniest, bluest dot of the reddest shit show right. everywhere around it. And, and you're right. You meet the activists in like Little Rock and Jackson, Mississippi. Louisville. And you, yeah, and you do a comedy show and it's sold out and it's packed. And I just feel like rewarding the people who are doing the work, who are simply trying to, if they can't change the way their garbage government works, they're simply saying, we're not going to let that be the only voice that comes out of our state. I love it. And it is true. Like we would go to these places, these these clubs in Louisville. I remember Louisville because like I feel like Louisville, it was like literally a month later they they elected some horror show yes. governor. Remember yes. that? Oh, yeah. And I was like, because I was like, Louisville's really cool. Look at all these people and the show sold out and it's packed and all these progressives. And then a month later, it was like the shoe dropped, the other yeah. shoe dropped of like this the worst governor that just tried to do all the disgusting things. And I remember being like, those poor people, those poor, really cool people that we met in Louisville have to deal with this shit show. Yeah. And the reason I wanted you to host Bro v. Wade was, you know, we're doing this comedy show. We did it in New York. We do it here where we have a bunch of white dudes who have a bunch of privilege. It's like they approach and they're like, what can we do to help? And I was like, Take some of that sweet, sweet privilege, stand on stage, yes. and raise some money for us. Amen. And so one of the reasons I was so excited to have you host is that you have witnessed what white dudes from the other side do outside of clinics. And we never have men in our sphere yeah. standing up for righteousness. Yeah. But what we see constantly is 
the white dudes outside of clinics and our shows even. Talk a little bit about that experience because I think that was your first experience seeing all those people. It was shocking to me. It was so shocking. It's kind of disconnected when you see these things. You know, I've watched like the abortion documentaries and I've seen the protesters with holding the pictures of the fetuses on the street and yelling like baby killers and things. But you don't realize like that is like for these abortion clinics in these places, that's real day to day. People show up daily from these Bible groups. They get trucked in from other states. They drive in from rural places. Like, who knows where they come from, these trolls. But they come, and some come every day holding these giant Xerox. Like, who is your Xerox provider? Because, like, the, the resolution is amazing. Like, these giant poster board signs of fetuses being like, you're killing babies. And it's just so disturbing to see. And then some of them are so blasé because they're out there all day, and they're just, like, playing, like, Tetris on their phone while yeah. holding, holding up a sign these... that says murdering whore, murdering die in a fire. Yep. Hell, yeah. hell is waiting for you. All yep. that stuff. And they're just like bored playing like video games on their phone and like scrolling TikTok or whatever while being like, totally you know, not just committed. raising their head every once in a while. Murderer, whore, slut, hot, hell is waiting for you. It's ridiculous. But yeah, it was really eye-opening and really scary. And it's true because, you know, I've only ever lived in progressive places. I grew up in New York City and I moved to L.A. So I'm very familiar of, you know, cis white dudes who are like, yeah, I'm totally progressive and I'm totally all for abortion. But like they don't really put their money where their mouth is. Right. You know, they're not at as soon as you say, like, I'm I'm part of an abortion rights organization or I'm doing an abortion rights rights show. It's automatically like, oh, that's a woman thing. Yeah, it's a woman issue it's a female th- oh you girls go and uh, yeah we support you in theory like we f- support you verbally but like yeah you go do that and i'm gonna go do my bro shit but what i love is too it's we support you or they'll say things like gosh you guys are really having a hard time it's like i didn't get pregnant from my vibrator by the way and like and that's the whole thing it's like i think we've done a disservice when saying just shutting men out which rightly so when they were controlling everything you're like okay you gotta um just shut up Right. But as we evolve, this is not a fight we can win together. Just and it's sort of like, you know, white folks need to fix racism because we fucking started it. It's the same with men jumping in and being like, if men are trying to control everything that happens to your own bodily autonomy, like that's on me to call men out. Right. Yeah. And I was telling you uh, when we booked Ben Glebe on the show and I was telling you that Ben had done this great uh, Charlie Kirk debate about abortion, that what I loved about Ben doing that is that a lot of times these right wing men, as soon as they hear a woman talking, it's they just fucking want, you know, shrill bitch. You know, they tune out Mm -hmm. and they just go, oh, this fucking whore just yapping her head. And they but there's more gravitas to them when it's a man, especially a white man who looks like them, who is privileged like them, who really doesn't, you know, historically have a dog in the fight, quote unquote, even though you do have a dog in the fight, but it hasn't been, quote unquote, their fight. Those are the men that need to step up. And when they step up, they uh, these right wingsters kind of give them more respect yeah. and more gravitas and go, oh, this is a dude that looks like me. And he's saying the same thing as this shrill bitches are saying. Yeah. Well, and I can't wait because Ben's coming up on the podcast and we're going to talk to him about that Charlie Kirk um, interview and also play a clip from it because the one thing I loved about what Ben did on the pod that I'm going to talk about is he just kept deferring to why are you invested in this because it's creepy so um, I'm so glad that you tonight guided these dudes um, (laughs) in such a great way and I'm so glad to have you on Team Abobo because you're the best. Thank you so much. Thanks, and Ellen. I just, yeah, and I have to say quickly, I'm raising a child right now, as you know, kind of unplanned and un, unwanted. I'm, I'm co-raising my sister's sperm donor baby. And raising a child has made me more pro-abortion than ever before. Yes. Because I'm in the fucking trenches right now raising a kid and I'm like, oh, this sucks. Everything, like, no, no matter how hard they tell you it is, It's harder. It's 10 times harder. So let me just say, if you're on the fence of having a baby, get off the fence. Abort. (laughs) Literally abort, abort, abort. Don't do it. It will not do the world a service. You're not doing the child a service. You're not doing yourself a service. Nobody is being serviced by you having a baby that you don't really want. Trust. I feel like that's fair. Helen Hong, dropping the knowledge. Trust. Trust. But verify? (laughs) Tote some more.
<laughs> Helen Hong. Helen Hong, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Helen, for being the best. Now let's get to our dudes. Coming up is host of the game show Idiot Test on Netflix and the Game Show Network and one of the lead anchors of the Young Turks. And you can check out his new comedy special, The Mad King, on YouTube via Helium Comedy Studios. Please welcome Mr. Ben Glebe. Ben Glebe, you are my hero for many reasons. You're hilarious, you're smart, but also I can't talk to you on this podcast without talking to you about <laughs> Charlie Kirk, for God's sakes. For those of you that don't know, Ben graced Charlie Kirk <laughs> in having an hour and a half long debate about abortion yeah and you came with all the receipts and i was watching it being like every time he drops some fucking bullshit embryologists say which i still don't know what an embryologist uh -huh. does except study when a sperm and an egg hit and you use them in fertility that science is settled that science is also they're not doctors mm -hmm. but you were on it with charlie kirk so how did Thank that you. happen so Charlie Kirk, I kind of famously reached out to Congressman Swalwell about doing his new debate show on on Talking Point USA, whatever Charlie's th bullshit thing is. And he said no. And he blasted his invite publicly and said, I won't go debate an insurrectionist. And then he reached out to my DMs and he asked if I would go do it. And I said, yes, I will do it because I want to go debate an insurrectionist and beat him and humiliate him on his own show and get him to walk off of his own stage and storm off at the end when calling him out for being an insurrectionist, which was the only non-abortion related part of the debate. Yes. So I was happy to go do that. And I studied pretty hard for a few weeks leading up to it. I was, you know, meeting with Narol and, and being advised informally about Planned Parenthood and had all kinds of very informed, smart friends giving me facts to study and articles to read. And I came in there as prepared as I could. You were really good. And for those of you that didn't see it, we will throw that in the show notes. But the dolphin situation. Dolphin fetus. Was so good. Explain about the dolphin fetus and what made you think to do that. I actually saw a meme that was similar to that. And I thought, imagine how amazing it would be if that could happen live to the face of one of these people. Because these memes are always so great, but you always wonder how many of these things get stuck in the echo chamber and don't actually get presented to the face of the people that are dispelling all of this disinformation and are pretending like they care about women and women's rights when they clearly are doing it just for power and control and money. So I wanted to just show the ignorance and show how absurd the person was. And I thought if that meme came to life in his face and I was able to prove to him that he doesn't know what he's talking about, doesn't even know what a human fetus looks like, that it might make a point pretty good. And the internet agreed. It went, it went pretty viral. I mean, the comments, even of his fans were like, oh man, this is bad. Like, <laughs> oh man. So basically what happened was Ben held up a fetus of a dolphin and said, do you think this should... Do you, do you truly in your heart of hearts believe this is a human being? And he goes, without a doubt. And I even gave him out. I go, without a doubt? He goes, yes. I go, this is a dolphin fetus, Charlie. Oh, my God. It was so good. So through the experience. And I didn't let him go. I mean, no, I kept, I'm like, you, kept you often going. confuse humans with dolphins. You go to SeaWorld and you're like, there's a human baby in that aquarium. That baby's got a blowhole. <laughs> exactly. Charlie's only, the only human with a blowhole. I mean. Well, one of a handful. He also just looks like a guitar pick. Every yeah, time I look at him, his head is like. Or a thumb, kind of like a thumb. Yeah, he's a mess. But so I'm sure you thought about abortion before this uh -huh. and were pro-choice and cared. Mm -hmm. But after studying and seeing and doing, did it solidify like even more so where you were? Did you expand? Like, I need to do more now that I'm actually seeing the kind of arguments that fuckers like this bring to the abortion debate? Absolutely. I mean, I, I'd seen the arguments for some time, but just learning all of the facts and learning the statistics and learning how people that are, you know, forced to have children that they do not want to have, how their lives often spiral in very negative ways they cannot handle, they're not ready to handle. It just made crystal, I mean, more crystal clear than it already was, just how it's just an obvious human rights issue and it's insane for anybody to try to control someone else's body. I've always been an advocate for people who are, are trying to be marginalized by the forces that be and I've always tried to help bring a voice to, to those causes. And this is one that I knew by doing the debate too, I would be somebody that would be called upon to talk about abortion and that kind of thing a lot more often and I'm so happy to do it. 
Well, and, and we've talked with, you know, with Helen and, and just the fact that, you know, and I, I just can't stop bringing it up on this podcast, but the fact that the anti-abortion movement has so many fucking men who stand there and say shit and our movement does not have, you know, voices. And the one thing that I really loved in you debating this is one of the things that the anti-abortion movement does a lot is they co-opt the oppression of other movements, whether it's the movement for black lives, and they use like abolition, like they call themselves abolitionists. Uh And throughout the course of your debate with Charlie Kirk, he kept bringing up the Holocaust. And you being somebody who is a survivor of people who died in the Holocaust, like I'm not going to say how does that make you feel because obviously it's awful. But talk to me a little bit about just hearing somebody using the mass slaughter of innocent people as a metaphor for their own goals of misogyny and patriarchy. I mean, that was a part of the debate that almost, I almost lost my cool. It was, I even said to him at some point, I'm like, you keep saying that, you're gonna have an issue with me here. It's insane, it's such a bad faith argument and it's so disingenuous. And the way he phrased it, it's always try to push buttons. He even said, he goes, as someone who claims to care about the Holocaust, he said, who claims to care about the mass slaughter of my family and untold millions others is just so insane. And time and time again in that debate, I proved to him again how he doesn't even believe that a fetus, that an unborn child is a human being, is a full human being worthy of rights, that it's a life, that life begins at conception. It does not mean that. Time and time again, I just cornered him over and over and over again. And for him to still say it's the same as the slaughter of your ancestors, it's just, it's maddening, but to some degree, it's only okay because it just illustrates the lack of humanity and lack of compassion further of monsters like that. I mean, it takes every bit of restraint in me to not, um, when I reply to his tweets that are constantly trying to divide and constantly trying to stir up hate and misogyny, to not just call him names. And I try really hard to stay with more clever arguments so that I can remain engaging with these people because I've done it before where I've lost my cool and then they block me and then I don't get to continue making progress to some degree to some of their followers. Like one of my favorite par- parts of the debate was just when he was saying that abortion is very unhealthy and science has proven. I said, science hasn't proven that. And in fact, you can get safe at home abortions, plancpills.org. If any of you watching right now, and I spoke directly to his audience, you can go to that website and you can get a safe abortion. No one needs to know. And if your family's trying to not let you or your church or your lawmakers are not letting you express your full human rights, you can still do it anyway. So people wonder like, do these debates make any difference? And I think there are certainly some people that saw that and said, oh, I'm writing that website down. That's exactly. And I think that's really the point is people can debate all that all day. The amount of people that we know who are outside of those clinics protesting, who go in for services. Yes, yeah, exactly right. The amount of people who literally can't have another kid. And they'll even go in there and scream at the people like, how dare you let me do this? You know, and it's like- While they're performing an abortion on them and they're back on the picket line the next day. Yeah, and you know, the person doing the abortions will say, if you don't want me to do this abortion, we will stop right now. I will not. You need to say to me, I give you permission. People, it's full hypocrisy it's living, full Liz. It's full hypocrisy living. I know. They love it. It's the way they breathe. It's the way. Well, and, and also, you know, what do they do now? I, I mean, I really don't know. But the truth be told in all of this, and, and thank you so much for like really taking that on and doing that. Of is, course. Every time that you grant more rights to a fetus, it is at the expense of the woman and the person. It is is at the expense of their rights. And so thank you for doing this benefit for us tonight. And thank you for like coming on the podcast and for going. I'm not fucking debating Charlie Kirk. So I'm thrilled and delighted that you are because Charlie Kirk, I don't know if he would dare debate me. Like, I don't know that he would want to. Yeah, he might have thought that he would have was going to get an easy one over on yeah. me. He didn't know that I would come swinging. And he might, he probably wouldn't debate you. But, you know, whenever somebody's opinion is that an unborn fetus should have more rights than an adult human being that's half of the population, there's just, it's an, un, it's an untenable done. argument. It's an insane argument. You're a crazy person. Yeah. Your argument is discounted, but it has to be said to their audience. Yes. Otherwise, you're not changing minds. And so I always try whenever I can to go into the belly of the beast and make those points. So and also, I just feel like deciding that you can bargain away someone's rights and that you have the right to do that, like never trust that person. Never trust that person. So thanks for exposing Charlie Kirk and being awesome and doing the show. And I can't wait to get you out on the road with abortion access, friend. I would love that so much. It's an honor to be with you. I've loved you for a long time. So, Oh my God, you're the best. I'm so excited. It was so great to see you. Mwah. Mwah. 
Plopping his ass down next is a dude who is funny, smart, and high on, well, in this case, being a righteous voice for abortion access. You know him from his awesome podcast, Doug Loves Movies, and the wide world of Dougs. I'm so happy to be hanging with the one and only Doug Benson. Well, Doug, I'm so thrilled that you said yes. And I have to say that you said yes, like, immediately. Like, I just wrote you on Twitter and you were like, yes, I will. Thank yeah. you very much. I mean, you know, if I had, if I was out of town or something, you know, if the date didn't work out, you might have gotten a no. But if, I, if I'm here and available, why not? I love it. You know, you say why not. And, and like, we've had really good fortune with the people we ask all said yes. But you'd be surprised. There's dudes who we actually like who are like, I don't know. It's like, I think my audience would really bum out if I did it. <laughs> and I'm yeah, like... i my audience. That seems weird. Who's your audience? Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it is tricky for some people because some people do want to have uh, the more conservative crowd, you know, buying tickets still. You know, and so, you, you know, it's easy to lose people over politics when you're a comedian uh, and the politics are so divisive right now that people are they're making decisions based on that, which is a shame because mm -hmm. you should be able to just do what you want to do and not worry about it. But it's funny. I gave you an immediate yes. And then I rolled my eyes. I was bummed when I heard out it was a lineup of all dudes. Are we all white? Yes. I think it's all white dudes. Yes. Yeah. I've been fighting that, you know, every show I go to, especially here in Los Angeles, where the lineup is just yeah. still all all men all the time. Yeah. Well, and I'm like, did, I yeah. know I am one. I'm hurting my own business here. <laughs> but I'm tired of being on shows with just all all men, knowing that there's so many other people out there that, you know, need the opportunity. Yep. Well, we did it on purpose because we were like, you know. It's funny. It's funny. And it's, and it's also, you are going to maybe get some, you know, bros in the audience that uh, might not have come to a show that was more like humanity as we understand it these days. Like what? I don't, I just don't get why anyone would avoid a show with women and minorities and people from the LGBTQ community. I don't get it. Uh, well, it's been, <laughs> it's always been the weird struggle of comedy, right? Where it's like, if they have all women or all queer people on a show, it's like the all this show, right? Right. They have to give it a fun name. and Yeah. And it, it's like an experience. And, and you know, I mean, I, I used to have club owners just straight up say like, you know, are men going to like it? And it's like, I've listened to male experiences for years and had a really good time laughing. Why do we not think that men cannot hear an experience that is not theirs? And laugh because it's been presented in a way that is funny. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why every dude will go, oh, well, she's funny. They'll pick somebody yeah. and make that their mascot for their, that's the one I like. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, listen to some more. <laughs> you know, if you broaden your horizons, you'd be surprised. That's right. You know, when it started, I don't know how many years ago now, uh, Drag Race, RuPaul's Drag Race is not something I would watch. And now I look forward to it every week. Yeah, you know what I mean. Just try stuff yeah. and see see what see what happens. See see how what pleasure you can get from something that you thought might not be for you. Yeah, you know exactly because then that's just one more thing that is for you that opens up your horizons. You know, it's super bizarre how it doesn't play out. And you know, when you started comedy, did you always operate from that place of freedom and feeling like I'm gonna do? what I totally think is great and bring people along? Or were you, did you second guess trying to, trying to cast a wide net and then eventually got to the, where you were at? I think you accidentally cast a wide net when you're starting out because as a, you know, when you're hosting or the feature act, like before you get to headliner, you're just, you're just saying the jokes that are making the audiences laugh consistently. And so you have to make everybody laugh that comes in to see whoever the headliner is that you're working with. So I think you just get used to just kind of appealing to everybody. I mean, these days, it just seems if you go real hard in one direction, there's like uh, money and potential success there. But it also just seems uh, so phony to me yeah. that I just have to I just have to stick with my own thing. And the politics that I do bring up on stage, I try to make it funny enough that, you know, if there are people that disagree with me, well, I don't know why they'd be at one of my shows. Mm -hmm. But if they do disagree, they can, you know, still maybe laugh. Yeah. But so you are very open about all your shit, you know, you put it out there. Uh -huh. What would you say, especially with this issue, you know, it's sort of the running theme of why we did it with all these guys is what you what you brought up, you know, does it open it up to some bros who might not have come to a show and 
they hear some shit. And the other side has a lot of men doing a lot of oppression publicly all the time. Right. And so having people like you stand up and say, yeah, like it's worth it for me to show this face. Um, what would you say to somebody who's thinking about it, but might be a little scared? Like what, what would you give people a pep talk? Like step up, just stand up for abortion rights, you know? Well, yeah, it just, it's, it's so easy to, you know, step up without having to, you know, necessarily stick your full neck out, you know, like just in, in, in the smallest ways or just start being more supportive, you know, like a tweet, you know, retweet something, you know, give it a try, see what happens, you know, see what kind of uh, feedback you get from people. Because I just think a lot of people, the idea of being against abortion just comes from a place of being told to be against abortion. And they just need to hear more people saying that it's what women should be allowed to do. It's their decision, you know, so I might be too high for this question. No. Are you ever, you're not too high for questions. I feel like you're, I feel like you thrive when you're high at questions. Well, I, you know, it, it helps me for sure. I mean, I obviously I enjoy talking to you. I, the subject is, isn't a fun subject, but I do take pause that, you know, it is weird to be high and discussing these things. Like, mm-hmm. you know, some people would dismiss what I have to say because, oh, that guy's just high right now. But uh, I'm not that high. You, know? you have quite a lot of clarity. So, so. But I also love to everybody who's <laughs> talked tonight, like has been hilarious on stage and then just really had a conversation about the humanity of women and of and of people and what it means. And I, I appreciate all y'all who are so hilarious sitting down and being super real about it. And I just appreciate you and all you do. And high or not, you always make sense <laughs> to me, my friend. Well, thank you. Because you come from the heart always. Well, thank you for uh, doing this and for having me. Participate. Yes, right away. I, you know, I was confused by the question. (laughs) (laughs) She tricked me. (laughs) Up next, a comic who is so hilarious and equally touching as he tells me why he shows up for reproductive freedom. His must-watch comedy special, Perfectly Stupid, is now streaming on YouTube. And if you want to catch up on some of the weirdest news out there, you got to check out his Bananas podcast. I'm talking, of course, about Kurt Braunahler. Kurt. Hi. Hi. I love that you did the show tonight. Oh, it's so much fun. And I love that there hasn't been a single guy that I've asked yeah. that didn't say like yes in five seconds, which made me feel very warm and excited. Yeah. That it was like, yeah, I got no problem. But were you raised in a family of people who talked about abortion openly, liberal? No. Oh, no, 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 no. I was raised Catholic. Uh-huh. Yeah. So like, we had the whole thing of like in religion class of like shown like, you know, the the like the pictures of the buckets that like, you know, yeah. this is happening at abortion clinics, which is all bullshit. I love that they think that like there's dumpsters full of fetuses, like yeah, yeah, any yeah. clinic could remain open yeah, yeah, if yeah. there was dumpsters <laughs> full of medical waste. Also, it just doesn't seem like a very efficient way to do it, mm. to put them into buckets and dumpsters. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. No one ever wa- walked through that. You know, they, they tell their wild tales. Yeah. And there was a politician in Ohio who told the story with tears and said, somebody came to her with a fetus in a shoebox because their dog found it in a dumpster and carried it to them. And I'm like, oh, dogs shit. eat everything. No dog <laughs> is preserving a fetus in its mouth and then bringing it to their owner. And then the owner's like, you know what we're going to do? Put it in a shoebox and bring it to our local politician? Like, that just seems like not real. It is so insane that I've been thinking about it a lot. But I do feel like at this point, Republicans are they're they're only interested in power, it seems. And that is the thing that keeps getting at me about this issue. Yeah. Where it does seem to be only about power over women's bodies and just really a throwback to segregating as a a lesser class of person that we can decide about what a woman does with her body. And that is like the reason that it is like. It's so crazy about it, yeah. you know, that it's not actually about 
the things that, that that I was told as a child, that those were the reasons we we're like, oh, no, we have to preserve life. It's like, well, you don't give a shit about the life after it's born. Yeah. And you can tell because we cut social programs. We have nothing exactly. for we don't honor pregnancy outcomes. Yeah. Also, like as a country, we are one of the lowest on the developed countries for like actual outcomes for pregnancy, right. like when people actually want to get pregnant. And so the fact that that is you know, the no one gives a shit about that. It's just like, let's make sure that abortion's illegal. Yeah. And and also just the wild lack of what that even really means. Yeah. As we've seen with Roe being overturned, how doctors are afraid to like intervene because they're unclear if the laws say it's okay. Will they lose their license? Will they go to jail? And yeah. people are dying. And it's so bizarre. And yeah. Does your Catholic family, after seeing the ramifications of what happened, yeah. does your Catholic family feel like, yeah, maybe this is not compassionate? Yes. Yeah. Cool. And so, I mean, most most everyone's dead, but <laughs> <laughs> the, dead ones. the one the one that's still alive has actually she went to you know church. I mean, every single week, and now has like kind of left the church. Yeah, I mean, there is, seems to be some hypocrisy there. Ah, yeah. I you mean, know, the Catholic Church is it? It they they're not doing well. They don't seem to. They're be. not doing. Well. They're not on the right side of really looking. Up I don't know. I mean, show me a young priest. Show me a young priest. Yeah. Show me a young nun. Yeah. I've never seen one. I know. It, I don't even know if they still do. They still make them. <laughs> that's what. That's the question. I, I have no yeah. idea. That's a really good point. <laughs> do you think ten years ago? Yeah. You would have said yes to do this show. Oh yeah. Totally. Also, 10 years ago, I could not have imagined that we would be in the state of affairs that we are. Right. Um, I think I did do one 10 years ago. It was for Narol. Yeah. In, um, in San Francisco. Oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've been on the abortion train for a while. Yeah. I love that. I love yeah, that you yeah. have been. Yeah, yeah. It was nice that like my, my politics kind of like evolved from when I was 20, where I just screamed fuck a lot to kind of like being a little more advanced. So you have a little bit more nuance in your fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and interestingly, we are in the what the fuck times. And yeah, now yeah. you've actually. I've come full circle. Come full circle. I yeah. think it's great. For the guys out there who, like you know, yeah. think this is bullshit, think that what we're living in is a terrible world and it's bad, but aren't that vocal? Yeah. Like, what would you say to them about, like, why cis white dudes need to stand up and stand with women? Because there's just so many of us. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. There's just like you like we have to like for that for it to change people who look like me, like dads from the Midwest need to talk about it. Yeah. Cause yeah. a lot of dads from the Midwest outside of clinics shaming people. Yeah. Going in and having abortion. Look at this face. Yeah. This looks like a dude who's outside of a clinic. It's true. Are you outside of a clinic? What? You know, but I high five everybody. Okay. So yeah, you're yeah, yeah. you're on both sides. You yeah. know, Liz, I'm here. <laughs> I and also there. do there. I'm on both sides of the aisle. I'm trying to unify. You know, I feel like, I think you're great, but that's a slightly misguided. I'm just going to say. I think that that is awesome. And I want to say, where'd you grow up? Jersey. In Jersey. Yeah. So you're fine. Catholic Jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're doing good. I want to say thank you so much just for doing this, doing that, the good words, because I think it's true. Guys that look like you yeah. need to be standing up. So it looks yeah. like we are actually not just a bunch of harpies. Yeah. Who uh, want to kill babies. Exactly. So thanks for joining the uh, Harpy Adjacent Movement. I'm ready to do it any other time. All right. Okay, you're on. All you right. said it. You're in. Kurt, thank you so much. Thank you. You're the best. I have a long history with our next guest because we worked together on the Jon Stewart show way back when we were young and we both had full bushes. You may know him from his comedy special and tour, Posein and on Grata, or from his cameo as speeder pilot in the first episode of The Mandalorian. I just know him as an awesome dude who is funny and cares about the full autonomy of people who need abortions. Please welcome my friend, Brian Posehn. Hi, Brian. Hello. I'm so excited that you were doing the show. Uh, you and I have, we have a little bit of a history. Yes. We worked together on The Jon Stewart Show when it was uh, syndicated years ago. Good times. 
great oldies. The 1990s. I know, the yeah. 1990s. And that was before The Daily Show. You and I, I got into this business because of George Carlin. I feel like Carlin was your inspiration. Carlin, yeah, Carlin and Steve Martin were the first two people I wanted to be. Yeah. And, and would, uh, you know, recite their material. Yeah, and Carlin had the best abortion material of any comedian ever and had the unmitigated balls 20 some years ago to do it at Carnegie Hall uh-huh. and on a special. Yeah, big inspiration. Big inspiration. <laughs> I know. So I ask everybody, we've done the show in Brooklyn, doing it here. You don't make a lot of friends coming out and being in support, especially of an organization called Abortion Access Front. Right. But here you it's were. Pretty, pretty right out there. Saying yes. Are. Why would you say yes? <laughs> Because I've already made enough friends. You're a friend. You asked me. I'm here. Yeah. And it's it's a huge cause for me. It always has been. I've had to make that choice, unfortunately, or been involved in that choice, unfortunately. And and uh, so it's always been important since, since the 1990s for me. Well, and I think, like, I love that you realize it can change your life forever, you know? And I think a lot of people center, and rightly so, the person who's pregnant, if that's a woman or whatever, mm-hmm. in that. But knowing that it profoundly affected how you got to be in the world yeah it's pretty huge that you're honoring it going forward yeah and well i think i was sent the invite because didn't the date on this move Mm -hmm. i think it was a thing before our justices or whatever they're called the the yeah those people yeah the appointed monsters yeah before that and but i already knew it was it's been an issue it's been scary before they pulled that trigger and I, you know, I've always felt like it's so precarious, especially in the last six years when, when Dilda was uh, Biff from Back to the Future 2 was our president. <laughs> the whole time when he got in, I was like, oh, fuck, we're fucked. They, they're going to take that away from people. And uh, of course, here it is. Yeah. And here we are. Are you I'm out with there you. with your politics in uh, general? On stage? Yeah. I, yeah. I've taken some hits in the last couple of years. Yeah, I always have been. And when I was young, I tried to stay away from religion and politics. And, you know, and I even did a joke about religion in the beginning, how we how hard it was to pick a side and, and with the audience and so i was like what if we're all wrong that's i always tried to like reconfigure a joke you know what i mean or yeah. a concept of, or kind of at least spin it and you know so this is a way of no one gets hurt like how can i do that you know and so yes is the answer <laughs> yes, I've, the I've always tried to because it's how i feel and my act is really always been a reflection of like who I am. So I talk about the shit that matters to me and, and when something like I fucking hated that president more than I'd ever hated another human being. Yeah. And so I found myself talking about him when I didn't really do any Bush jokes. I never, you know, I cared and I would vote and I would do, but I didn't really have any bits about him because I didn't find that time funny. <laughs> I did them for you. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, carried the, I carried the water for... Uh, and my little friend Patton Oswald had a million of them. I was like, how am I going to beat him? You know, right, so. I know. It, but, but, it then, feels... uh, but then Biff, you know. Yeah, I know. It, and it, it just feels different. You know, we had we had the sort of buildup and then we had, you know, we had Trump and then we had COVID and then we're performers. And so, like, shit's happening, and then you can't go anywhere and talk about it except these weird Zoom shows. Yeah. Like, how did you navigate being a person who talks about this shit and not being able to talk about it? I didn't. I just, I smoked more weed and (laughs) and got fatter. I was depressed. I didn't know what to do. I did a couple of Zoom shows, and they were fun enough, but it was, yeah, it was really weird. So the second I heard I could go stand up in front of people again, even though it was outside and they were wearing, you know, garbage bags like we were at a Gallagher show, and, you know, everybody was bagged up, and it was super safe. That was my first time, but I was was dying for it. So, like, I went, yes, yes, yes. And I'm a Valley guy, so I rarely leave but COVID made me want to leave the house finally because I've been sitting in there for two years. So. I think that's good. Thanks so much for being so of awesome. And what would you say to your fellow dudes who haven't been speaking up because um, we need everybody going on? Well, yeah. I mean, my friends that are pro-choice but are you know, being vocal about it, we're going to come looking for you. <laughs> I like I know it. who you are. I like it. I like that we have a the, the bounty hunting from the other side. We're, talking, we're coming for you. 
And I like then the that. other ones, I'm never going to convince you, so fuck off. Yeah, fuck off. But I do like that Brian Posehn, <laughs> Bounty Hunter, is going to be the new show that I'm going to write for you. <laughs> I'm a big fella. I can barely hunter. fit in this chair. Look at me. <laughs> I'm menacing. You know what you are. You're not menacing. You think you might think you are. You're not fooling no, anybody. I know, I know. Thank you, my dear. I'm so glad you. you're here. I love Thanks. you, too. Yeah, yeah. What a solid bunch of men I have talked to so far. And that is an understatement when it comes to my next guest. You know him from the Office Hours podcast on cinema, streaming its 13th season on the High Network, and for his tireless activism for abortion rights and so many other amazing causes. It's Tim from Tim and Eric, the one and only Tim Heidecker. Tim! Hello. How are you? I'm terrific. I'm thrilled to see you on this very cold night in Los Angeles. I'm always so honored and humbled when people say yes putting your name and putting yourself out, but you seem to do it anyway. And so why is it that you're like, I just don't care about the backlash? Oh, well, I, that's a good question. I don't care about the backlash. I mean, I just have always operated that way. If I didn't, I probably wouldn't do anything. From the beginning, we uh, Eric and I would, would make stuff and we thought it was funny. We thought it was cool. And right away, you just get people saying, you know, die. <laughs> it's true. You know, this is the worst thing ever. And so you just have to build up resilience and tolerance for that and not listen to it. But, you know, it's a it's a great cause that you're doing and um it's it's not it's it's I'm not digging ditches here. I'm getting up and telling jokes. So it's not you're not asking that much of me. There is a ditch digging portion. Okay, Did no one tell you? I I think I might prefer that. Yeah, we're um, going to be building a clinic. And underground we, yeah, yeah and you're all digging it <laughs> okay so i just the miner's hat comes after this so you have a wide range in how you do comedy yeah i believe that humor has value in social change i do there's people who say ah eh, does it really yeah but i i i believe it does do you do you find or do you do you think that it does or do you think it's a it's all a lie i think it's Absolutely. Uh, you know, anything that gets people thinking uh, outside their uh, normal day-to-day -day thoughts generally can help. I mean, I, I, do, I do a lot of satire and I do a lot of uh, dark stuff. A lot of this, my stuff gets very dark. We talk about death and disappointment and failure and all this stuff. And I think it helps. It's cathartic to, uh, you know, for other people, I think from what they've told me, to kind of let, you know, experience our work and feel some connection to those feelings, even though they're, they could be absurd or they could be ridiculous or very inappropriate. You know, I think it's it's helpful for them to just go like, oh, that I know this is ridiculous, but I feel this way sometimes too, you know? But I think that that's why I was like so excited that you wanted to do it is because some of the best humor is you survive dark shit mm -hmm. by gallows humor yeah let's talk about it you yeah. know and like not be scared to talk about it and play with it play with the dark stuff because we I mean, get very dark we, it, we're all going to die hopefully pleasantly but most likely and it'll be something horrible that happens i'll even one up <laughs> you we're all dying right now yeah it's we're, just we're a, a once you're born death. it's like buying a new car and driving it off the lot yeah the second you do you just start depreciating yeah <laughs> so the second you come out you're just this is really not good list so you get asked to do a lot of stuff a lot of these things i know and there's a whole group of really cool dudes yeah. Who are doing this show tonight. I was talking to Helen earlier about the massive presence of men in the anti-abortion movement who are visible spokespeople just taking charge. And the good news is that there is men who are who support reproductive rights often understand it's not their place to be front and center. But there's still a lack of guys out there with us. Sure. So... Why do you suppose men don't feel like it's their issue? Because uh, they're, well, because men are selfish and uh, small-minded, most, mostly, probably. Okay, I mean, I'll and take that. And gonna... they're not getting pregnant directly. So, uh, but no, I, there's probably, that's a broad generalization. It's not fair. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess it's an uncomfortable subject. And, you know, men talking about women's reproductive rights, it can be uncomfortable, uncomfortable for me, just like a, you know, a Catholic boy from 
<laughs> Pennsylvania, talking about sex in general is very uncomfortable. I, I, I was raised Catholic and went to, I was bussed into D.C. for the right to life marches and everything. So, you know, my, the odds are I should be on the other side of this. You know, I should, I should be, I should be a very different person, but I think I was around a lot of cool theater people and film people and music people growing up that kind of, you know, indoctrinated me into more progressive mindsets. So I think just people have to be like open to listening to other people and change and not be recalcitrant in their, you know, the ideologies of, of where, how they grew up and the, that, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, just try to be helpful and listen, and listen to women. I like it. What do you say to folks, especially guys, who need a little encouragement to join the fight? What would you say to them? Like, Don't be afraid. There's a huge, a great group of people that will have your back. And get involved and, uh, you know, anything you can do to support is going to make you feel good and it's going to help out other people. Awesome. And lastly, we did a video with Kamal Bell for around Father's Day and we were trying to concept it out. And the concept was figuring out how much Kamal has spent on birth control uh -huh. in his adulthood versus how much his wife has spent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. So they did some math. yeah. And his wife spent about ten thousand dollars to the course of her life. Okay. Kamal spent a little over two hundred bucks, mostly on condoms. Right. What would you say you possibly have spent on birth control in my life? In the span of your life, yeah. Yeah, not not much. Forty bucks. Okay. Yeah. Forty bucks. Yeah. So I feel like um, knowing you've spent forty bucks and that you're on stage tonight, I, I feel like. You're doing what's right. You're doing the right thing. I appreciate you it. Have I'm going to try to double that number in the next four years. Oh, my that? God. That's exciting for you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like you're really going to yeah. just go out with some post-COVID. Uh, I'm going to buy some condoms and throw them away. Wow. Just to say you've just, spent yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. Now that I've had you think about that, you're like, oh, I just got to get that yeah. number up just to say it. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. And I appreciate you being on the show tonight, of Tim. Course. I appreciate you being on the podcast. Yeah, happy to be here. Thank Thanks you so for much. having me. And finally, closing out this incredible episode is a man who has been one of my best friends in comedy for the decades I've been doing it. We were roommates. We've been together through our earliest comedy successes and some of our most monumental comedy failures. You know him from Parks and Rec, The Simpsons, and his podcast, The Dana Gould Hour. Love him like a brother. Please welcome one of the funniest stand-ups of all time, the one and only Dana Gould. Dana Gould, of all of the people doing the show, I've known you the longest. Yep. We have been housemates. We are dear friends. For, for two people that were never a comedy team, had the quintessential comedy team 8 by 10 Oh, we did. That I still have. I do, too. <laughs> Yeah, we are back to back, arms linked, looking. And who took that photo? Was it Dan Corrigan in Minnesota? Yeah, it was. It was in Minnesota. It was in Minnesota. So mm -hmm. it was Dan Corrigan, who is also the preeminent Prince photographer now. Like the funny. I that see we the have, natural progression. <laughs> yeah, that we have that person photographing us is like <laughs> really funny. Very and she did, and she did uh, your. He took your eight by ten that I had from. That. Yes. Yes. And a crazy paisley shirt that yeah. might be yours. It is mine. <laughs> it was. It was mine. In fact, I found a full length of that, and I'm in a buttoned-up paisley 60s shirt and peg-leg pants, and I look like one of the Davies brothers yeah. from the Kinks. It was a very yeah. crazy or a, British invasion. Or a stray bangle. Or a stray bangle. Just something. <laughs> yeah, we were very much... We, were, we made the most of 1986. We really did. <laughs> And, you know, going through a lot of shit together. And mm -hmm. so having you on the show is very special to me. And I also know that you're somebody who doesn't shy away from talking about shit. Never have. And I've asked a couple of, of the guys who've been on the show, where do you get the self-assurance to not give a fuck on stage knowing that you're going to say provocative stuff? Well, it's the cynical answer would be it's just arrogance. 
Um, you know, as you, you know, like most comedians, it's a beautiful mixture of arrogance, narcissism and self-loathing. So, you know, it's like we're the piece of shit the sun revolves around. But it's also, I know for myself, you know, when I was a kid, now I wanted to be a comedian since I was about 13, 14 years old. And I idolized George Carlin the way young musicians idolize the Beatles or Dylan or whoever they choose. And, you know, I... I tried to do what he did when I was 18 and no one cared because I was 18. And then I kind of developed my own style. Uh, but now I'm an adult. Uh, you know, I'm a parent. I have kids and I and I have enough of a career that if, I don't expect everyone to like me uh, or to agree with me. But if you say it the right way, you you don't have to alienate them. I, you know, it's just like if you don't agree with me, fuck you, you know. But there's a way to to present that to people that you don't alienate them, you know. Even now? Even Do you feel now? like even now? Yeah, even now. Um, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you an example. I uh, There's like inside baseball comedy nonsense, but I'll tell you an example. I have a bit about people who hoard guns and how I, I don't whatever. But to start the bit off, I go, now before I get into this, just so you know, I own a gun. I'm not talking about people that own a gun. And then I have a joke, which is like, I live in a big, scary city, and I'm afraid the day might come when I have to kill my family <laughs> or, or some people at work. And the fact is, I don't own a gun. But the fact that I say that gives gun owners what they would call a permission, a window of permission to laugh at the bit. Oh, yeah, I have a gun, but I'm not like those crazy people. Right. You know, if you if you want to convince somebody of something, the way to do that is, well, you're certainly right about this. Uh, and then you give them something and then you make your point uh, or say like, and I, I know we don't agree on this, but but this is how I think. And you know, I have a friend who's a, a political consultant, a, a Republican political consultant, who, who basically, as he said, he, he's been excommunicated from the Republican Party because he failed to renounce algebra. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he has all the right. He has a different sense of corporate tax incentives but, than I do, but he's on the right side of social issues. Uh, and he said, you know, in this country, we've gone from I'm right, you're wrong to I'm right, you're evil. And you can't, you can't convince anybody. If you just think they're evil, then you just shut down and you're not going to convince them of anything. Just as a comedian, I don't have a lot of interest in just preaching to the choir. I mean, you want to bring somebody in, even if, I don't know, I'll never change anyone's mind, but allow them like, no, I, I have all those beliefs that you think make me Satan, but I don't think you're Satan. And I know that you disagree with me and, and that's okay. And you, you never know what, what that will lead to. But uh, I mean, you, unless you're just a vehement psychopath. Except I, when it comes to abortion. Well, well that's the, that, one that's of the, the places yeah. that there is never like taking your gun argument to say, yeah. I'm a parent, but here's what I'm going to tell you why abortion's great. It does right. not work, right? It does not no, lay out the same no, way. No, they don't. And well, and that's the, the thing that is because people incorrectly view it as murder. Mm -hmm. They don't give a fuck about that child once it clears the uterus. Mm -mm. And there's no intellectual consistency. Just to look at it from that point of view, if you are against abortion and you are dead set against guns in school and, and, and you, you argue strenuously for postnatal care and stuff, I'll listen to your point. Uh, I might not agree with you, but at least you're consistent. Yeah. But you can't tell me that, you know, it, what it is is fetuses are a great political action group. Yeah. You don't support. have to defend them. You don't have to take care of them. They don't want anything. Yep. And the minute they're the minute that baby clears the labia, it's got needs and it's just part of the problem. Right. It's yeah, that's just, exactly it's, right. It's a welfare uh, statistic. And I also think too the thing about abortion that's sort of fascinating is And the Catholic Church has only been against abortion for a couple hundred years. A couple hundred years. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't always yeah. a thing. Yeah. yeah. The whole priest can't get married thing was yeah, also yeah. introduced because yeah. the church wanted the Land. inheritance. Yeah. 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 So it is the world's greatest real estate scam. It is. <laughs> it really... 100%. Yeah. But with abortion, it's like the thing about abortion, I think that's different than other issues is. Most folks who pay attention to politics do not know actually how all the inner inner workings are happening because the media pretty much ignores it. Yeah. Well, you told me stuff tonight I didn't know was going yeah, on. And and so, I'm pretty... Yeah, and you're on top of it, right? And so it's like the interest of the preaching to the choir piece, which mm -hmm. I agree with to a certain degree, but the choir, when it comes to abortion, 
they don't know the songs. Yeah. And so that part is a really fascinating thing. And I never know what the starting point is. And so I just appreciate when people actually care and they listen mm-hmm. and they want to know and being able to use humor in provocative ways. You know, I asked Tim, I say it a lot and people echo it to me that, you know, using humor is a good tool for social change. <laughs> and sometimes I think it's true. And then sometimes I'm, I'm like, is it like, what do you think it is? No. <laughs> Tell me why. I, I, I you, remember all those how many brilliant jokes did John Stewart have about George W. Bush? Didn't slow him down. Uh, I think what humor can do is it can illuminate issues to people and it could maybe allow people to see a side of an issue that they don't really believe in. I know a lot of, to, to, to revisit, like, George, I think George Carlin's bit about abortion from it's the greatest back in town. Yeah, it's like etch that in granite. It's done. Nobody can do that again as brilliantly as he did. And I know people that consider themselves, you know, right to lifers that have heard that and maybe they'll never address their hypocrisy about it. Maybe a couple will, but they hear what he's saying and they know that it's true. Right. You know? Yeah. My brother, who is a diehard Catholic and he is against abortion because he believes, and it's the 21st century, and he believes if he were somehow involved in an abortion, that when he died, he would have to go live in a cave full of fire because a guy with a pitchfork and a red jumpsuit. I mean, it's like, but that's in the back of his mind. Well, we were outside of a clinic in Alabama. This guy is like screaming at me about something. And I said, can I just ask you a few questions? You know, because you've just said, you know, all this shit to me. And I said, you know, I know you staunchly believe that like, Sex is only for procreation. And so if your wife or you, it was found out that you couldn't conceive, does that mean that your marriage, you would stop having sex? And he said, no, because miracles happen every day. (laughs) So I said, okay, if your wife had to have a hysterectomy because of cancer, would that mean you'd stop? And he said, no, because miracles happen. And I said, okay, if I can't fight with this person does right. not have a uterus. Right. And you say miracles. Right. I can't fight with miracles. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's like, I can't argue with Gandalf. Yeah, exactly. And you can't argue. If, if you believe in cave fire right. and, 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 and devil yeah, and yeah, pitchfork, yeah. Yeah. it's, it's like, a hard place to go. Yeah. I take issue with his logic. Actually, no. <laughs> Miracles don't happen every right, day. Right. Actually, they don't. Yeah, actually, they don't. Yeah. And actually, yeah. not to you, because here you are outside of an abortion clinic right. in Montgomery, Alabama. It would be a miracle if you won the lottery and actually had a nice life. Nothing right. good is happening for yeah. you if, if this is where you right. find if, yourself. If, if, if God wants one of these children to be yeah. on the planet, the abortion won't matter. Right. Miracles happen every day. Every day. So I have to say, I've known you since you were 18. I met you the first time I ever traveled to Boston. You were hosting an open mic. You've been a feminist since I've known you. Said it out loud. And you have daughters. I do. So no, I'm no longer a feminist. So you're no longer a feminist. (laughs) But like, how do you feel about this world that they're in now? I will say this, you know, their mom, uh, my my first wife, is uh, incredibly strong, forceful role model for them, strong, powerful woman. And we've raised them to, uh, they don't take shit and they know who they are. And this, you know, is the world getting better or worse? I think it's on a, you know, it depends on what you're looking at. Mm -hmm. You know, the fact is we don't have a choice. They're here Mm -hmm. and you just have to fight to make the world as better for them as possible. And what's frustrating is there's no end to the fight. Like people thought like the anti-abortion people when Roe v. Wade was overturned that, that, well, the fight's over now. But no, there's no end to the fight. In fact, that was the starting line. Yeah, that's the starting line. And, And standing up for what you believe in against 
the odds or against the law or against whatever is the victory, is its own reward. You are lending your voice to the opposition and you are fighting for what you believe in. That never stops. You have to fight for democracy every day. And that's just the ticket. That's just the the fare that you have to pay. I think that that's so right. And I think it's a good way to go out because the truth is you get the world you fight for. And if you're not well fighting, put. Yeah, well put. And if you're not fighting, then you're going to end up with whoever the soldiers are, they're going to win the battle. Yeah. And I think when it comes to abortion, I think so much of what we do is people don't know who they're fighting. Yeah. And so how do we even go to battle if we don't know the enemies? Because so often people will just point to Fox News and they'll be like, see what Fox is doing? And it's like, Fox News is what old people watch. It's it's Ben Shapiro. It's Charlie Kirk. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's these young guys who are influencing this new crop of people. Yeah, I don't, yeah, there's always this lazy belief that, well, the Republicans are going to be gone soon because they're all old. No. They're breeding like rabbits. They're breeding like rabbits. <laughs> they bring them in, you know, that that's a lazy argument. And why did Roe v. Wade overturn? Because they wanted it overturned mm-hmm. and they were willing to put their back into it and wait five fucking decades. Yes. If Every want- day. If you want your uh, your right your rights right, you better fight just as hard, just as long, just as passionately. Yeah, and that's what we're trying to do. And to have you be part of this is so great. I love you so much. I love thank you, you so too, much buddy. Tonight. Oh my God! Thank you, Dana, and thank you to Helen and all of the amazing guys who made Broby Wade Two Electric Boogaloo a possibility. And thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, you want to learn more about what's happening in the world of reproductive health rights and justice, support our pod. Listen, subscribe, take a minute to write a review and give us five stars. With your help, we can get more people to learn about this assault on abortion access. You can follow us on all the socials at Abortion Front to keep up with all the latest reproductive rights news. And looking for where you might fit in to do some abortion activism? Check out our five-part activist training series, Operation Save Abortion, at OperationSaveAbortion.com. The series is available in pod and video form. And also you can check out the activist calendar, which is chock full of local and national actions and educational opportunities. And if you want to go deeper and look for some real action, like be part of the solution action, this year... There's going to be an amendment relating to abortion on the Ohio ballot, and the campaign is picking up steam. They need help getting signatures to get on the ballot. So if you live in Ohio, go to OperationSaveAbortion.com and see all the ways you can help get those signatures on the ballot. And if you're just stepping in, check us out next week. We have incredible guests. Anti-racism trainer, gender educator, and tireless fighter for the women of Iran, Banafshay Manandinejad. And... Comedian and actor Marcella Arguello, whose comedy special Grow Up Bitch is out now on HBO Max. Love us more? Want to help even more? Join our Patreon. You'll support great content and get cool FBK merch. You'll also be supporting our activism at Abortion Access Front. All you need to do is pledge at patreon.com slash feminist buzzkills. FBK Live is edited by Remy DeTournay and is produced by Abortion Access Front. And finally, we leave you with Charlie Kirk showing his whole ass in front of the aforementioned Ben Glebe. Truly in your heart of hearts, truly believe that this is a human being. This- Without a doubt. Without a doubt? Yes. This is a dolphin fetus. So let me- Without a doubt, a dolphin fetus is a human being. This is a human fetus. Look how similar they look, but quite different. Dolphin, you just confirmed that a dolphin, in in life, you confuse dolphins for human babies often. Feminist Buzzkills, the podcast from Abortion Access Front. New episodes drop Friday. When BS is poppin', we pop off. And if you want to support our podcast and all the work of Abortion Access Front, like, subscribe, and join our Patreon at patreon.com slash feminist buzzkills.